Do life's greatest questions seem like a mystery? Well, we're probably going to talk about it here at Appalachian Liturgy. Important questions like, are you a Jedi or an Imperial? Is oatmeal actually a breakfast cereal? Is a Catholic weekday really called a ferial? Did you know that Mr. Rogers was Presbyterial? So join us as we have a little fun talking about thy kingdom come. Welcome, everyone, to the Appalachian Liturgy Podcast. I am Justin Stacy. I'm the Reverend Brooke Ashley. And I'm Justin Bowling. And tonight starts our 30 days of spooktacular Halloween, something, something, <laughs> yada, yada, whatever they say in the, the retail sector. <laughs> we decided Here's that your we pumpkin were, spice. That's right. <laughs> we were going to do 30 days of sort of spooky topics or Halloween-esque topics. So that tonight starts it. We are going to begin with talking about Christianity in horror films. We are going to, you know, dive into some of the pop culture of horror and see if we can find Christianity. And it's everywhere. So let's get started. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> and I am just not a horror flick. Like when I told Aaron we were going to talk about horror flicks, he mm -hmm. said, do they know that you don't watch them? at all no did like, not know that no, i assumed everyone did it's been <laughs> a while for me too because sarah and my wife has the same uh type of opinion as you do but horror films are not fun for me to watch alone the fun in watching right. a horror film is when Seeing you watch someone with else somebody get, else yeah Seeing yeah get scared and stuff that yeah so I, I don't watch them nearly as much as i used to i used to watch them all the time but i'm really hard to be scared and that's the problem with horror films now for me used to I, you know it would scare me a lot and and it, it's more fun when you get scared but the last i it can't is. tell you the last one that that scared me honestly <laughs> so i just i mean horror films people are just dumb in them like they make dumb <laughs> so decisions let, let, let's let's put a distinction in horror there is there is slasher films those think, are dumb like those are dumb for sure but then there is more sophisticated films i would say any in the conjuring universe those are pretty really good stories and i don't think people are dumb there a lot of those are actually based on true stories so so i do like m not Shyamalan, and that is name what's his name that's as right. good as i could possibly pronounce it, so, uh. <laughs> yeah. so I, I do watch some of his movies and not like so would you consider like a movie like the bone collector to be horror i don't think i've watched it but I, I don't know. Like, what it's about? What What is it about? Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of serial killer kind of things. And is the intent uh, of the movie to scare you? To scare the bedeeper out of you? Yes. Okay, then yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, there's different. Google writes it as a thriller. Okay, so let me. So yeah, so there's thriller, and then when I think of horror, like I think of the slasher yeah. thing. And no, I'm not a fan of the slasher things. Like, right. So my favorite commercial, one of my favorite commercials is the one where they talk about people making bad decisions or whatever. And they're like in a slasher film and they like run into where all the chainsaws are and oh, yeah. running to their car. Like that's how I view all I mean, these slasher Honestly, movies. it wouldn't matter if they were running to the car. They're going to trip and fall and they're going to get caught. Like it's right. just always the, the case. There's stereoty stereotypical things that happen in slasher films. So 
Abby is terrified of sharks. And one day she was watching this movie and I don't know why she was watching it, but it, I would classify this as a horror movie. Everybody was getting eaten by sharks. Yeah, that's like, pretty. They poor. were scuba <laughs> drop. They were scuba diving in these caves and there were these prehistoric shark things mm-hmm. and they were coming and eating and tearing people apart. And like, there was like 30 of them that started out and two people survived. And yep. there was this huge scene at the end where like the prehistoric sharks were like jumping and trying to bite the people mm-hmm. as they were getting onto a boat. So I have watched that one lately. Yeah. You know, if dumb. the birds can be a horror film, I'm hundred percent sure sharks can be a horror film. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like Jaws itself, I would say back in that day, that was probably pretty terrifying to see a, a, a great white Here, shark like that so i feel like we've totally expanded the idea of what constitutes as a horror movie well i think we had to so that you could talk <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine like i think any movie that is sort of tries to bring that that scare factor in to your emotion when you're watching it i think that would constitute as horror it, totally it, the stand by Stephen King. Mm. Anything, do, almost anything from Stephen King, I would say. Yeah, it would I be horror. do love, I do love that, that book. What about It? So, Have you seen It? The one with the clown? Uh, hmm Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> so, I, I love, I love It. That's probably my favorite Stephen King. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't read the novel, but the movies. And, and that's one of the ones that's, that even the reboot, I liked probably just as much as I haven't the original. seen the reboots. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, it's it's definitely a level of creepy. And again, these things don't scare me. It's just a level of, of a creepiness. Oh, look how you tough know, clowns. I am. These don't scare me. I am big and I am tough. I am big man. But no, it, 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 some things just creep me out. Uh, clowns are one and dolls are two. Dolls, well, dolls is probably the most creepy thing that I, I can think of. You know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's the that's a common theme you see too, like those dolls, and there's always like a kid singing in a lot of uh, yeah uh, Stephen King, especially like uh-huh. uh, the TV adaptations of his novels or like the movies. Yeah, there's that's always yeah. a common. I was trying to think, is it the Perfect Storm that that does the I'm a little teapot? Do you remember? No, I, that's the one I thought you were trying to talk about. Perfect Storm was the uh, George Clooney like on a boat movie. The one you're thinking, ah, shoot. It's like a blizzard. Storm of the Century. Storm of the Century. Yep, that's it. Storm of the Century. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe I've seen more Stephen King things than, but um, but this. So for me, this I've I've struggled with the stand during the pandemic. Like, Mm. I mean, it's, but not the new version of of the stand. I watched one episode of that and I was like, I'm done. This is boring. Yeah. We watched one episode of it. Now you want to talk about Christian Christianity appearing in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like it is majorly the, the battle of good and evil is throughout yeah. that stand book and mini series. So I guess it's not technically a movie, right. but this ages me, this ages me. We originally watched the stand on VHS when blockbuster was still around and it came in two sections of VHS tapes. So we had rented, we were very early married and uh, mm-hmm. rented it. And they, we only got with like one set of them. We had to call Blockbuster back and they held open the store because it was, you know, way late in the night. And we mm-hmm. ran into town and got the rest of the movies because, and we watched the entire thing in one day. <laughs> That's great. 
I, I don't think I've seen the stand miniseries. Well, e- either of them, I guess. So I really do need to, to check that out. The new so, one, I'm not a fan. Yeah. So speaking of miniseries, I actually just watched one. And I, I don't know if either of you are interested in watching Midnight Mass, but I would suggest you do if, if you're not interested. So I totally saw your Facebook post about that uh-huh. yesterday. And I was like, wait a minute, he's Episcopalian. Do they do Midnight Mass? Like, I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it would just be like Stacy to go to church at midnight instead of like the normal. I have, I have went to church at midnight, uh, one for um, Easter and one for Christmas. Yeah, that's why I was totally thrown. I was like, there's no major yeah. religious holiday. Like, what the, what the heck? What's he doing at so church? So really at loves the Feast of St. Francis is what it is. He's really yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. I'm there at midnight for, for Francis. But no, um, it, it, yeah, it's it's a horror series. And what's, what's interesting about it is it really does not, like it touches on so many different topics that it really didn't need to be a horror film or horror series. It could have been just a normal series. And I would have been interested in it because it it touches on a lot of things that I found interesting, like separation of church and state, and just different things like that. But with the horror element, now they they borrow hard on and one one of the things that we were going to talk about here is vamp, vampirism, and there there was a lot of like Christian, I guess, blending of of vampirism where you know the Christian Christians are partaking of the blood. And body of Christ, and you know, I, I guess there that was seen as a form of vampirism or something back in back in the day when it was first caught on, and that they borrow hard that series does on that, and even though I I, I really love the story and it hooked me after episode two I was hooked I had to watch them all there's seven episodes I did find that some of the scenes were a bit made me feel a bit awkward it was like should i should i actually like this like and i there's a question i wanted to bring up to you is is there a point in movies specifically horror films that borrow hard on christianity and have christian imagery and stuff is there a line where this is too anti-christian the too sacrilegious like, is there a line or, or can, or can, can we like just say, this is fiction. We know it and we can, we can just view it. I, I will definitely let Brooke answer first, but I, I, before she does, I did want to point out that it's kind of ironic that you're saying that because there's a article on Vox that's floating around the interwebs right now. That's talking mm-hmm. about that. They couldn't enjoy midnight mass because this person's a, they're, they're, pretty adamantly anti-religion that's the author of the article and they thought uh-huh. it was too positive towards religion and they thought it was kind of a betrayal to their values so they that's couldn't watch it but yeah that's interesting <laughs> that is interesting that's interesting um I, I don't know i mean there are a lot of things that i watch that portray the church in ways that i don't agree with or portray christianity in a lot that i don't necessarily see true but with that said, I mean, I think that our pop culture does shape the way people see the church. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I think I struggle a little bit with that sometimes. But I also think that as the church, we have 
shot away from the conversation about demonic forces yeah. or Satan. And mm-hmm. we've made it to where we can't talk about that because we don't want to be looked at as being weird or odd. Right. And so we've let pop culture tell that side of our story for us. And, and that, that's a problem for me. That's where yeah. I struggle. I, I think for me, there's definitely been times when I have a hard time enjoying something because of that. But I think it's when I feel like that it's bleeding into the moral of what they're trying to get across from the show type thing. So like if their point is about how, you know, corrupt Christianity is and stuff like that, you know, like you can, I think for education purposes, there's sometimes you can get something out of that, but in terms of like using it as entertainment at that point, I have a hard Mm -hmm. time enjoying something to when they're, the point that they're like proselytizing is that, you know, Christianity's bad. Yeah. That, that does kind of, and I know that's kind of a subjective thing on when you know that's what they're going after and when that's just happens to be a background in this fictional show. But yeah, that, that's, right. that's the point for me when it comes across to me is that's their message. That makes sense. And I will say that Midnight Mass definitely does not do that. Like they are, it is very pro religion in this almost. It's just that, I guess it's because I see I have such a high view of communion, and that is sort of the driver in this show. And they turn it on its head and turn it into a, a horror element. And that's what that, that that's kind of what made me uncomfortable. It's like, dang, I, I I understand why you're doing it. This is actually good for the story, but it's just making me so uncomfortable, you know. So uh, that was my my whole thing. You know what? I do I like think the point that you. Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead because I mean, I may be changing the subject on this a little bit. No, so I was going to say I did like the point that you brought up about how we kind of defer that conversation off, and that's even almost like a trope in itself in a lot of these movies. There's this uh, older, you know, priest or something who's a, a exorcist, and he believes in all these demonic stuff, but the younger, hipper guys like, no, that's you know, that's that's not what it is. We explain we don't believe that type of stuff anymore, and that's kind of mm-hmm. how we even if we don't that's not really the the truth that's almost how we treat it type thing like this is a thing for the past that's you know the middle ages that's you know way way in the past so yeah we we probably shouldn't cede that ground to hollywood because they're probably not going to tell the story the way we would tell it (laughs) yeah and i don't know that i wrestled with a lot of this stuff until i actually went off to seminary and i was surrounded by people who weren't from America, right? I mean, they were for, from Africa and Asia. And some of these conversations are more real than, you know, talking about forces and good and evil and that kind of stuff. We just, we don't talk about that in our Western context unless we're talking about horror flicks. But one of the things that I was going to talk about making me uncomfortable, maybe more so than even horror that makes me uncomfortable are like, the Dan Brown movies, like the Da Vinci mm. Codes and that kind of stuff. So that makes me a little more uncomfortable for Christianity than some of the horror flicks. That's the legit one I had in my mind when I was saying that there's yeah. some that, that kind of bleeds over to their message. Because he always like liked to play both sides of the fence. He's like, oh, no, I'm making a fictional world, but, you know, this is based on a lot of true stuff right. type thing. And like not really committal. And maybe a lot of it was to build up, you know, advertised for his books and movies and stuff but he always played both sides of the fence there to where like oh this could be real and yeah it, it yeah. bugged I me think, i didn't enjoy it and i think when we look at horror films i mean most of us 
could see the element of religion in them. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think we view that differently than, than like a Da Vinci Code or another movie where it seems almost plausible mm-hmm. and that, that I guess I know that there are people who truly believe that stuff, right. you know, like, I don't know of anybody who truly yeah. believes horror films are true, right? Like, um, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I think we're point. able to say that's more fiction than some of the other things that, that we're seeing out there. Right. Or you know, even think- a TV show like The Good Place. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I have no problem with that one. I enjoy it too. Yeah. I love it's not it. like, super friendly i guess yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, i've had lots of conversations with people about religion and stuff because of it but still yeah you know i think it's i think it's interesting though that a lot of our um i guess horror monsters that that we have you know you have uh dracula and you have Frankenstein and just all those there's elements there of Christianity within them so you have Frankenstein you know you're basically you you have a a a scientist who is playing God and he turns nothing and he makes a life out of nothing you know that's a biblical story but you know there's the element of resurrection in here too in a lot of different horror films actually you know you Jason and Michael Myers they're always coming back from the dead you know, and I feel like resurrection is a reoccurring theme in horror. It, it it's just it, always Jason bad. Coming back from the dead because of resurrection, or because somebody wants to make more money. Yes, you say you asked that like it's a yeah <laughs> conflicting <laughs> points. <laughs> yes, I mean the but, same you know, thing happens in soap operas. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, Stefano, yeah, what's the guy from he Days of Thunder? Yeah. <laughs> he always come back from the dead. Yeah. Yes. I mean that that man had more what? lives than a cat. The great, well, probably the greatest villain of all time. Probably, the yeah. I mean, I think and it's honest- undisputed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, you know, back in the day when I was living at home, mom would watch that religiously, so I would always catch parts of it. The greatest storyline in Days of Our Lives. I didn't see us talking about Days of Our Lives in this, but here we are. <laughs> is when uh, Marlena was possessed by a demon. Do you remember that? Oh, I do, actually. Oh, my gosh. That was the greatest. And John was a priest. John Black was a priest, and I believe he had to exercise her. The greatest storyline. I have no idea what y'all are talking about. (laughs) I love how we went from horror flicks to days of our lives. That's right. That's right. Hey, Remember Passions? It was all about horror and supernatural. It was, actually. There you go. You're right. This, this is a soap opera podcast. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, I was thinking, because, you know, well, our listeners may not know, but I don't do horror films, like, ever. Um, not anymore, anyway. And not because I'm some moral high ground. They're just not entertaining for me. So why waste my time doing them? Um, But there have been other things that I've struggled with, especially with my children um, as they were growing up, because I felt like it portrayed religion in a a bad way or that I felt like it was in opposition to Christianity along some of these lines. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I was trying to think of something right off. I mean, I'm sure they could give you a list immediately of the things that we kind of poo-pooed on, but, um, and they love horror films. Like Mm -hmm. they love them. Um, And I think with me, I guess I just see just enough nastiness in the world, the real world that I don't need to, you don't need to watch it on the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is enough nasty in the real world to, to deal with. Like to have to think that not only, and maybe here is, is my advocation for horror films is that we aren't because we are always in the here and now, and we're always, we have so much to, I guess, concern ourselves with in, in the present, in the physical world that we're never thinking about what's going on in the spiritual world. But a lot of horror will bring will bring that to light, like especially you know the the, the Exorcist movies. The it, it point blank it's telling you, hey, they're demons. They are possessing people. That's something you else that you have to worry about. So I, I'm not advocating we should continue worrying, but it at least reminds us that hey, there is elements of of spirituality, you know the the the, the good and evil war in the spiritual realm that we should be concerned with. And this, I think goes back to your point that we don't ever talk about evil in the church anymore, but yeah, we, need we, to. Don't. we need to, because there are dark forces in this world and that, that causes hauntings that causes possessions that causes lots of things that we can't explain. And I think that's the good thing about horror films is it keeps that in the back of our mind that, Hey, some things, you know, even I guess serial killers. The serial killers are a thing that we have to worry about. It's not common, yeah. but it is a thing, and horror films remind us of that. Yeah, and I think that's why you see religion pop up so much. I mean, it's rare to find a horror film without some kind of mention of religion. Yeah. Like it's more common than not. It's because you get to those questions that are not about the day to day stuff, but more so mm-hmm. about these fundamental good versus evil. Like, there's no doubt that these demonic courses in these movies are evil. And when you're talking about something that's yep. like, you know, not human gray morality or something like that, it, you're going to get into these fundamental questions about, you know, life universe, good, evil, and God, and, you know, like that. So religion has a natural spot in us. Yeah. So what do you think about like the novels and the movies, like this present darkness and did you, are y'all familiar with the Frank Peretti books? No, I can tell by the looks on your faces. Okay. So back in the day, y'all make me feel so old. Um, there was this group of books. It was a trilogy. It was um, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. And I think the third one was um, The Prophet. And they were books that were written supposedly from a Christian perspective about uh, spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And so if I remember right, and it's been many many years since i've read these books um there were certain people who could see demonic forces on other people so like they would just be walking around and they would talk about how the demon of greed was like embedded in these people and so they they could see the spiritual warfare that was happening around them it was it's this classified as thriller literature now um but it was it was advertised as being Christian th- thriller. Um, 
but Frank Peretti's. And I also think the Left Behind series could kind of go into this yeah. kind of genre. Anything Revelation. That's a good point. Could, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, because I can remember those books coming out and people losing sleep, like having to go be put on medication mm-hmm. because they were terrified that these things were going to happen. Yeah. Um, and man, so I may not like horror movies, but I read all of those like cover to cover as soon as they came out, the Peretti books as well. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend the Pretty books now, I think, for people because the theology is so whacked and it's yeah. written supposedly from a Christian perspective. So yeah. I have more of an issue with those books and those movies and that kind of genre than I really do what we're talking about horror when, and thriller. When you have movies or books that actually shape theology, yes. then you have a problem with it because yes. that, that's when it's destructive to the church. Yeah. Just dealing I mean, with and- fiction movies... Yeah, whatever. So, I mean, here I'm having conversations with people about this fiction work, right? Mm -hmm. And they're saying, but I believe this more so than I believe scripture. That is Uh a problem for me. Like, (laughs) that's where we've crossed the line. When we Mm -hmm. put more faith into what, you know, Frank Peretti is writing than what the scriptures are saying, that's a problem for me. Maybe that is a sign, though, that horror could become a problem if we don't actually you know, start talking about these types of things again, because if everybody's theological opinions are going to be shaped by Hollywood, that's uh, just as problematic. Yeah. You know, Christianity, I think, gives us a lot of imagery from the Bible and from outside sources, like Dante's Inferno, to where there's plenty of horror elements that can be portrayed. And I think that's why it is, you know, good luck finding anything more horror than, Satan and fallen angels, you know, demons like that, that, that tops in my line of like horror villains or whatever that they're they're the top, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I think that's why you see, you will see a lot of that. And there's a lot of movies that deal with fallen angels. There was the, uh, was it the prophecy movies with Christopher Walken? Remember that? He played, uh, Gabriel or Michael. Angel. We need to have a running counter on this of how many times somebody mentions a movie or book and the other <laughs> two are like, no idea. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, well, it's see, just here's weird. The, the problem, the problem is, is you don't watch horror movies, Brooke, and bowling doesn't watch movies. So I'm talking, I'm going to have to talk to, I should have brought a mirror and talk to myself, I guess. That's my running line. I've been saying that for weeks now. Talk to a mirror. <laughs> Talk to a mirror. Talk to Man a mirror. in the mirror. <laughs> I don't know. So I was doing a little research uh, specifically on on vampires. And uh, apparently, like, vampirism was a heavily bought into belief in, in ancient cultures. <laughs> uh, the, su- such that grave sites would have to be uh, conditioned uh, with uh, like garlic or other things that there were some gravesites would be opened and a stake would be put through the heart of the deceased because they were, they feared these people coming back as vampires. <laughs> like, I, I guess I didn't realize how big of a belief vampirism was. So, you know, I was doing a little research. You say there. ancient cultures, like what, what would you like? Is there, do you remember the time frame? I'm just kind of curious. I mean, it, I th- so I think you usually see vampires associated with like with Eastern Europe kind of 
top thing? Is so, that where so it originates? There, there is no. The, actually, a vampire originates from. It's it's almost like a Greek myth, to where it's more of a it's okay. more of in the fallen angel realm, like a demon that has sharp teeth and wings and stuff. And you know, you'll notice in some vampire movies, you'll see that version of it when it's more creature looking like a bat. That is okay. an ancient myth that was picked up in like the 15th, 16th century, 17th century with Vlad Dracula and turned human. So there's okay. two, it, it, it's like a evolution of vampire. And so when people, when, when I guess the sort of the 16th middle age version of, of vampirism picked up and they started becoming more human, that's when people started becoming afraid that anybody can be a vampire, you know? So now we're going to have to worry about them coming back. And so apparently like the, you know, when, when someone dies and they start degrading, their fingernails get longer. It, it, Pierce because they're, I guess their fingers are shrinking. It looks like their fingernails are getting longer. And I believe their fingernails may grow after death. And they, they, that's why vampires, the human version have long fingernails, right? That's it, it, it's just seeing what the deceased does witness what, what a deceased person does and putting that on a vampire. And, you know, a vampire has the eternal life motif, right? Mm -hmm. They, they don't actually die. There's specific ways you can kill them, but if you if you don't do that, then they're going to live forever, right? So I know there was something you wanted to bring up that in vampires that apparently you love, Brooke. You want to go ahead and bring that up? Twilight. <laughs> I mean, they're good. <laughs> the vampire, worst possible they, vampire series they, of all they time. Sparkle, they sparkle. So we we did sparkles become. Is that from the Greek myth or is sparkles uh, <laughs> a little bit later? I mean, you I put mean, them I, in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you put them in the sun. So to my defense, my kids grew up in the Twilight era. Yeah. I've watched so most of them. I, I, although we want, Aaron and I watched the first one with my sister and we were like, this is terrible. So, <laughs> I mean. Now, my wife Renee, she loved Twilight. She, she had the audiobooks. She had watched the movies a hundred times and she just loves it. Love the yeah, story. I'm pretty sure I have and like it, half of the novel series sitting back here on this book. And it's fine Sarah for what it is, I did, but it's I didn't just read not, them. it's not the vampires that I'm used to. Like right. what, I, what I really love, what, at least in the, the earlier movies is, um, crap. what is, what, what is the movie? Uh, the, the vampire werewolves, um, movie, you know, Bowen. Underworld, I, Underworld, exactly. The Underworld yeah. series. I yeah, love like that. I mean, no it was it was more in I guess the action uh, realm where it was more of an action movie. You had the, the the team vampire versus team werewolves, and that was the prequel to Twilight, by the way. So that's where probably that come from. But I just I just love that um, the, those movies. Then you got the whole zombie genre. Yeah, it is. I mean, it man, it, was, it started in the late two thousands with The Walking Dead, and The Walking Dead is still going on. And it's been going on for a good 11, 12 years now. I mean, what in the world? Yeah, I haven't seen an episode in. <laughs> hey, five, I'm still I'm admitted I don't, I don't to watch. I think I've it. ever seen an episode. Really? Well, you should watch the first three seasons and quit. Because, <laughs> Follow me. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that, that was where, when it was good, really, really good. But 
I have been just invested in finishing this story and I'm still watching it. So the, and the thing about, I mean, the walking dead, obviously zombies in general, it is, it borrows heavily on resurrection and it's obviously the worst thing you could possibly think of for resurrection. You having all these, you know, mindless creatures running around trying to eat you, you know, and that, so the zombie, I'm trying to think at least the, in, in, in Hollywood that started, in what the fifties with the Night of Living Dead, the black and white film? Anything earlier than it's that? It's been a while. Yeah, I don't it's know. I don't know like this complete history. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they even had the, the. Now I have not looked at like zombie lore to figure out you know, why why do zombies eat brains? Like when did that start? When did that become popularized? I don't know. But um, at least in The Walking Dead, they kind of evolve that from brains to just eating flesh. Like they they actually want to. I guess. It may be more vampiric in that they are trying to eat you in general. <laughs> they eat body and blood, right? Let's talk about so, the science and physiology of uh, vampires here. <laughs> that's, that's right. Why, I mean, as zombies, they I forgot what we're even talking about. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 think, I think the idea of with, with vampires, maybe zombies too, is, is that, you know, there's the, the belief that blood, there's life in blood. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why if you are an e- eternal being, you would need to ingest something for nourishment. And that's Voldemort the only thing that eats unicorn blood. Well, there you go. He does. It's, and he sustains himself because something so pure is, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, were supposed to speak. I, I, I do uh, think this comes back to almost something you were saying earlier about the playing God part when you're bringing up uh-huh. the Frankenstein novel. It's like all these aspects are talking about something good and true and real but then it's a slightly twisted version so Mm -hmm. it's like our own take on it you know doing it under our power rather than you know uh the way that god has it planned and that Mm -hmm. seems like a very uh common theme through all these you know resurrection but it's the monkey's paw version of resurrection type thing to where like something unexplained unexpected went wrong because you you know you didn't account for it or something like that and uh it's even like themes you kind of see in biblical to where you see like the antichrist portrayed as a lot of mm-hmm. like the same type of promises but not the way that god promised them like not ruling yep. from an iron the throne stand. or something like that this yeah it's, it's what sandy is that. yeah that's that's interesting so speaking of biblical references while i was doing this deep dive into vampires it led me to a character named lilith are you all familiar with lilith in the Bible. A little bit, yeah. There's, I think, one mention in Isaiah of Lilith, and they it, it is in reference to night creatures and things like that. And so they, they were talking a bit more about that. And so apparently in Jewish mythology, in between, I think it was 500, 700 AD, something like that, they expanded on the, the person of Lilith to basically make Lilith the first wife of Adam. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'd never heard of any of this. Like, what, what is this? So the first wife of Adam who was, who basically refused to submit to Adam, mm-hmm. ref, wanted to be his equal type thing. So he, she was casted out of the garden and then Eve was created. So that was sort of the, the, I guess the story. And then Lilith took on the almost goddess role over night creatures, monsters, demons, like they were in control of Lilith. And 
so the the word Lilith, Lily. So you've got Lily from the monsters, right? You, you uh, there is a character in Magic the Gathering called Liliana, and I think these are all derived from this Lilith character of being in control of night creatures. And in Magic, that is what Liliana does. She is in control of these creatures of the night, zombies, and all these things. And it just put everything into a, a perspective that I didn't realize that there is, you know, this character of Lilith that is all over pop culture that I didn't know where it came from. And apparently that's it. <laughs> so I just thought that was really interesting. See, Lilith appears a lot when you're looking at feminist theology. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the idea of Lilith will, will pop up a lot, actually. Um, mm. If you if you dive into feminist I'm theology. definitely not super familiar with a lot of that but i have i've definitely been told before that like that's a, a lot why you see people will, in a lot of feminist circles refer to themselves as witches or something like that since it's they see it as a empowering thing or something yeah but, yeah yeah lilith is, is often looked as an empowerment thing i'm glad you brought up the whole witches thing because mm-hmm. i think we don't make the correlation to christianity a lot when we when we talk about witches and I mean, scripture is full of caution and punishment for delving into uh, witchcraft and sorcery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as paganism and witchcraft is becoming more popular in our culture, I really think that it is something that Christians need to take note of that there are people being attracted to this religion, if you will, um, and who are claiming to be witches. And, um, you know, it, it's a real thing. And, you know, again, I'll go back to, we don't talk about it. I mean, we kind of gloss over some of the passages about Jesus casting out demons and the mm-hmm. apostles casting out demons. And we try to make excuses for that. Well, they're just, you know, psychologically ill or um but i mean scripture's full of those references yeah unfortunately i think you know it's you know paganism witchcraft things like that it's it is becoming popular now but i think it's partly in response because if you look in history of how the church has dealt with it it's been really really bad mm-hmm. you know look at the salem witch trials so many innocent people died from that so maybe it's just a a reaction now it's like okay people are more pro witchcraft because of the bad things that the church did in response to it you know many decades ago many centuries ago maybe i don't know if i'd uh, draw a direct line from you know the salem lynch trials what 400 years ago to rise of paganism in the past 15 years (laughs) <laughs> I think yeah. I would put it more so towards something like the rise of, you know, nuns to people that aren't religious mm-hmm. practicing people. And we still have that religious instinct in us. And we then still like, want spirituality just without. Right. And if you're, and if you're going to have a personal yeah. spirituality without any sort of religious guidance mm-hmm. or anything like that, it's, that's where you're going to end up as some kind of form of paganism. That's where people yeah. ended up historically because that's that's just the natural you inclination. Turn to nature, worshiping nature. Yeah. And, right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. And you can see it, you can touch it, you can, mm-hmm. you know. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I really, I really have trouble 
with people who claim to be Christians who talk about burning sage to get the Mm. bad juju out of a room or whatever. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm like, y'all, I know you're, I mean, you're kind of kidding, but you're not. I mean, if you're truly burning the sage, you think that it's doing something right. Um, So, so I don't know. It's kind of funny you mentioned that too, because like a lot of the early middle medieval, like, uh, attitude towards witches was when somebody would accuse somebody of being a witch the mm-hmm. accuser is the one that got in trouble because like whoa what are you doing believing in witches over here like you sound <laughs> like you're a <laughs> and then it was more so when you started having competing religious uh groups uh-huh. that they were like well i'm going to show how serious i am by actually punishing witches that they started ramping up the uh the attacks on so-called witches but uh so, but yeah, yeah i'll go ahead i think that I think people looked at that you know as witches being the enemy of christianity right like witches were a threat to society or a threat to the church i think as the modern church what we've done is just said that's not real Mm. right we've said that's just kind of hollywood there's no substantial anything to that that's not a threat to us so we're not even going to talk about it um and i don't want to say that it's a a good versus evil or uh you know but i think that's why you don't see the church reacting very strongly to it because they don't acknowledge the power that some of that may have i think that's a a western church problem specifically i think if you look at you know african countries or south american countries you know churches there they actually deal with De- demonic possessions and stuff way more often than we do and i honestly think it is because of our belief that these things don't really exist never did and i think that's why we don't see them right you know, i think that the i think the satan is pretty intelligent when it comes to this stuff he's like they don't believe in it so you know what is more powerful against westerners is to allow them not to believe in it this you is a theme a- in uh the screw tape letters. This is one of the uh, yeah. ways that he's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we spent the night with somebody one time and we couldn't figure out what the problem was. Like it just wasn't comfortable. The bed wasn't comfortable and come to find out there were all kinds of stones between the mattress and the box springs because mm-hmm. supposedly different stones, different minerals did different things to your chakra or whatever. And so mm-hmm. This person did it thinking it was a loving thing to do, you know. Oh wow! And that's when I really started thinking, if we're putting, you know, so at first it came. My kind of idea with some of this stuff came into being that I felt this was detrimental to people's faith in Christ that they were Mm -hmm. misplacing their faith. And then I started really looking at um, how serious this really was, not just to people's faith in Christ, but that maybe there was something behind all of this, that maybe I hadn't taken this seriously enough or, you know, and that doesn't mean I'm like looking around the corner all the time (laughs) to see Mm -hmm. somebody casting a spell or whatever. Um, But I, I do think it's something as the church that we need to talk about. And when we do, then people look at us like we're crazy with three heads and yeah, which is why I, we didn't let our kids dress up as witches for Halloween. There's a uh, a um, 
a chapter in one of Chesterton's books, The Everlasting Man, where he talks kind of about this. Where he says that, you know, we have this instinctual uh, idea that like the darker forces are the things that actually get things done. And that's what you see a lot in horror films. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can believe in God, but God's going to sit back and, you know, do nothing. But if you really want to get something done, you make a deal with the devil. And he, what yeah. he'll do is get get this done for you, I think. And, th- and that's what you see in like a lot of the, uh, older pagan religions in like the the middle east like the, the moloch where they would sacrifice their kids to get something done you know they would sacrifice to this pagan god but th- to them these were they believe these were real powerful beings that thing which is like you're saying justin we don't really have that that uh, you know what is it like cultural belief like that used to exist or it exists in other parts now to where you know we, we just kind of ignore it we're yeah we're not we don't necessarily believe in anything supernatural the good or the evil it's like we right. don't believe in miracles, you know, because it's it, it science can't explain it, so we can't believe it. And I just think that's ridiculous. Like part of, of being a Christian is believing in miracles. Science is never going to explain resurrection. I just well, don't our, believe our it. Our podcast will. on horror movies just took a sharp right turn. It sure did. Yeah. <laughs> It sure did, but, but it turned into something that mean you can actually contribute to. I, know, right? I, think, <laughs> I think that was part of our things. We were like, but that's the what? good thing about horror films, right? Is there this stuff is there and will bring yeah. out things for us to talk about. It's one of the few spots in Western culture we actually still get to talk about these. Yeah. Yes. So that is, I guess, the, the biggest pro that you can have to watch horror films. And I know that some, you know, some Christians think that it's controversial that, uh, you know, if you're a Christian, you can't witness, you can't watch this. And I think there probably is a line. Like if you, if you feel convicted about watching something, then don't watch it. <laughs> you know, if you yeah, think, it's I simple, think none of these it. things are like, universal <laughs> rules where right. like you have to watch it. If it makes you yeah. struggle in your walk with Christ, please don't, don't do it. Right. Yeah. So this is interesting to me. So if we just said that as Western Christians, we don't believe that a lot of times that there's powers in this, demo- like we don't do that, but yet we're going to judge people for watching horror movies that we don't yeah. think has any real power. Yep. Like can't have point, both yeah. ways. <laughs> <laughs> like what's up yeah. with that? I don't know. Like we instinctually know deep down that there's something real right. about it, but we kind of live our life. We don't want to admit it. it's not. We can get stuck in the day to day monotony and not have to worry about it. Well, but. I mean, not having to deal with supernatural things that we can't explain is a little bit more comforting than having to deal with that too, right? Listen, but I think I swear, y'all, I think people would rather talk about demonic forces than talk about the Holy Spirit. That's what I've decided. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> true too. Probably true too. I mean, the Holy Spirit is, um, um, I think, a more complicated thing to understand. It's like, when is it actually the Holy Spirit working? When is it actually you working? Whereas oh. with a demonic spirit, it's like, you you, you can more or less tell when it's Listen, demonic. we spent like four weeks in Sunday school, in my Sunday school class, the last couple, actually just last week, uh, finished it up, talking yeah. about the Holy Spirit. And then um, Aaron's been doing a sermon series on the base, the absolute basics of Christian faith kind of thing. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit was that conversation today. And um, yeah, it makes people uncomfortable. Like they would rather watch a horror movie than talk mm-hmm. about the Holy Spirit. So. Well, we ought to do something about the Holy Ghost maybe in October. Ooh. 
<laughs> so spoilers, hey. that is, uh, we are doing a topic in week three on, um, I guess, hauntings, ghosts, demonic spirits. So it, more in that realm. But hey, you if we can tie it into the Holy Ghost bowling, we will do it. I was proud of that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't wait to see what screen grabs you pull off this because I've caught myself making some crazy faces and yeah, I know it's gonna be, crazy. It's gonna be a good one. Spirit fingers going a few times. Woo! I guess not everybody can see those, but <laughs> that's right. All right, Lord that's, that's good stuff. Well, to close, you know, I, I wanted to to leave with a, a bit of inspiration, if you will. So, I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, the monster mash. He did the mash. It was a graveyard smash. The monster mash. It caught on in a flash. The monster mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. Peace be to you. Have a good night. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really hope you got some enjoyment out of the podcast this week. Remember to check out our website, www.appalachianliturgy.com, and follow us on all of our social medias. If you want an easy way to support us, though, make sure to subscribe to our channels and like our videos on YouTube. Also, join our email list for updates and let us know how we're doing. See you next week, everyone. Appalachian Liturgy Podcast is a JRS Studios production.